hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Stephen, here we are in episode eight of The Invasion. Time flies. Here we go. My question for you here is, does a Doctor Who story at eight episodes long have any hope in hell of resolving satisfactorily? (laughs) Maybe if they had another million pounds alone for this episode, but in this instance, probably not in the way that we would have hoped. But it's still a good story and good fun along the way. I think it's quite an impressive action set piece in this with all the soldiers and the Cybermen. Yeah, absolutely. The shootout at the old brewery, I think it is, which they use again in Spearhead from Space. Yeah, absolutely. I think if they hadn't have given us a bit of sort of bang for our buck, it would we, we would have felt a bit shortchanged. Yeah, no, we 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 definitely needed an action set piece to to cap this off. You know, with Cybermen, with Vaughan, with the unit soldiers, etc., and the Doctor scampering around. Um, so I, I think we were owed that because you know, particularly we've, we've got a number of scenes in this episode and previous episodes where they're sitting around and things are happening off off stage in the same way that uh, you know the opening scene of Macbeth happens off stage but the difference is that it's not 1605 and we should be able to visualize this or see it at some point and we do to be fair uh, after a fashion well uh, let's see how we do then shall we let's do it episode eight here we come in five four three two one let's go here we go is this what you want to be the ruler of a dead world? Oh, we have to see Born <laughs> off in this episode as well, and that's very sad. In fact, I can't help but notice that. Do you remember how um, present Packer was in the first four episodes? It's not really been the mm. case in the last couple. Mm. I mean, I don't know. I don't really mind that. I think he's a bit of a a comedy character. And when things start to get a little bit uh, nasty and pointy, um, it's probably right that he's sort of not brought to the foreground. I I think think that was got to a point here where he was like, I just can't shoot this bloody thing in any more ways. You know, I'm I'm hanging on it now. Like... That's the funny thing about 60s Doctor Who is when they redo the cliffhangers because that's got a completely different camera angle to how it was in the last episode. Um, The camera kind of dramatically went in on Vaughn, didn't it, at the end of the last episode? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I feel like when they refilm the cliffhangers, they do a better job in the new, in the second, you know, the reprise. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, it's better, like in the sensorites. The end of episode one with the reveal it's really effective and then you cut to the reprise in the next episode and it's really lame yeah <laughs> you're there at the window going hello you know <laughs> yeah that cliffhanger works so well because it is just so utterly alien and bizarre it's like what is that creature and why is it on the outside of the spaceship Little did we know we were heading down to the Sensphere for four very dull episodes of, you know, yeah, Doctor Who ER with the virus scampering about. Oh, a Megatron bomb. 
That sounds exciting. <laughs> Not as exciting as a megabyte modem. That's true. What they called in um, Revenge of the Oh no, it's Saba Bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you have a cybernetic bomb for God's sake? <laughs> it's the Canadian accent that gets me every time. What's really fun here is then you have the Doctor and Vaughn on the run together. I really like that. Yeah. It's it's also like how else did he think this was going to pan out? Like when that day came, did he, did he honestly believe the Cybermen would let him uh, boss them around and be the ruler of the world? No, I don't think he thought, thought this through very much. Well, I mean, he's thought um, it through enough to have this weapon handy, though, hasn't he? Yeah, that's his insurance, isn't it? And that's that's nicely foreshadowed earlier. This bit never really made sense to me, though. Why are you using uh, basically an emotion gun on a computer that doesn't have any human... Well, I'm assuming here, I guess. Sure. Any um, human element to it. For the first time ever, he's felt laughter, pain... You know, horny, all of those things about that computer, and then it just blew up all over the place. <laughs> I mean, and that's a very sixties conceptions of computer computers as well. So we had the Algol scene, obviously, much earlier. But there's a wonderful episode of the Prisoner called the General, and the General is a supercomputer, uh, and Patrick McGowan's character number six blows it up by. Uh, typing in just four things on a typewriter that then eventually blow it up and it's an unsolvable uh, question and it's just w-h-y question mark uh it was a very naive conception of what computers were i think in the 60s and uh, it comes across here as well i think it's quite charming but uh <laughs> definitely very different the sticky too. fingers of kit peddler all over this script you know yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think he had much to do with this one, did he? I think he was more involved. It in... was based on an idea, which sort of suggests to me that he was mistakenly employed by the BBC on a contract. And here's the Cybermen invading um, Vaughan's office, by the way. We had that wonderful shot, which we talked about earlier, just maybe 15 seconds ago, where the Cybermen comes into view when he sort of screams at Packer uh, and that beautiful musical sting that we were talking about before. That's great. I mean, because he's in black. So when that went negative, he was all white. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and again, looks using so a weapon now. That's something about Troughton's doctor. He's not he ain't afraid to murder the, the yeah. monster villains, is he? Well, it, it, I mean, it happens in, in Seeds of Death, doesn't it? It happens in um oh gosh, a number of places. But yeah, it, it never really sat well with me, I think. Do I keep saying that the Daleks when he sends the guards off to yeah to and knowing that they're going to be killed by the Daleks, you know absolutely yeah yeah the the ambiguity in, in sort of Troughton's doctor's um, moral code is, is interesting, but it also maybe speaks to what we were talking about way back when we did the Moonbase Part Two, mm. um, which is they haven't quite figured this out yet, and it's not until. Maybe even Terence Dix and Barry let sort of come in that, you know, the Doctor is absolutely codified as the hero um, with, you know, the pure moral heart. Um, Trown's Doctor is much more mercurial and, 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 and even Hartnell, he starts off as very astringent and, uh, you know, the anti-hero in many ways. 
do you think then that's why the audience is quite forgiving because he's so charming as the doctor <laughs> kind of yeah. i mean but it's a bit like like obviously matt smith based a lot of his or certainly took elements of Troughton for his 11th mm. doctor and i think matt smith's mm. doctor behaves appallingly at times as well um like yeah that's bit at the end of the rebel right. flesh where he murders the the flesh amy um mm. and yet he's so so sweet and so charming as the doctor you kind of go oh it's all right yeah yeah <laughs> mass murder yeah, but he's still point. he's still a cutie pie isn't he? <laughs> yeah the difference though is that um we've had 50 years to reflect on it and moffat has um sort of interrogated what that means like how, you cannot be someone who continually foils alien invasion plots and is responsible for x number of deaths etc and not have some blood on your hands yeah. um I, I don't think that's been figured out yet here it's it's still it's still something that is maybe just making it up as they go that's why i love that scene in journey's end where davros says to the doctor you know how many people have died and, and you yeah. cut to, and you kind of think well, what's he talking about and then it cuts to all linda with a y the air hostess in the midnight and there's loads of you like, oh my word <laughs> yeah it's been quite a few actually yeah 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 and that's just new <laughs> yeah but it's interesting because the comparison between trout and say colin baker who is as blunt as a pipe, a complete bully, you know, and mm. abusive. Mm. And when he commits murder, it seems unforgivable, you know, because you're just like, well, this horrible man is like, you know, gassing people, and jostling them about in an acid bath and things like that. Um, yeah, it's there less is that. It's less forgivable because he's less likable. Uh, agree but it's also 20 years on and we, we have in the meantime like i say codified the morality of the doctor and it's now intentionally playing against that um which is maybe the bit that we have most trouble with i mean what's the difference between colin baker grabbing that gun at the end of attack of the cybermen and pumping bullets into the cyberman and patrick troughton with that emotion machine a minute ago turning that cyberman and and, and killing it what's the difference uh, there's always a difference between a gun and what is not really a gun but effectively acts as one i feel like there's a there's a level of distance between um between those things i guess that that means the results are the same isn't it but i just think it, what's happening in the meantime is perwe baker and, and dave you know the utterly decent davison doctor have happened and that's on, on the on the on the heel of those three that's what's um particularly um upsetting perhaps he's even worse at the end of earth shock he's got him down on the floor and he's literally going doo, 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 like straight ah, like yeah. that's so they would but i'm not being honest <laughs> Um, Stephen, your bio would be better directed towards the enemy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I can rattle off Hayward lines till the cows come home. But he does it again in Resurrection, which is the other thing. I mean, he picks up that gun, goes to execute Davison, and he's shown up to be so callow and, uh, yeah. you know, craven-hearted that he can't even do that. It's like, well, what, do you, what, what is the dramatic point of this other than trying to you know 
destabilize and undermine your your central i don't know what that what that's that scene says but the nuance in davison's face when he's when he's calling yeah. him coward like the acting in it is yeah incredible uh, of course i don't know if this is like, why i have a lot of issues with the fifth doctor but i just don't know if davison knew how to give a bad performance you know yeah i agree absolutely like matt smith he was um more talented than his his youth suggests and that comes through in a, in a character that is essentially the old man in the young man's body that's how that's the sort of similarity that i see between the two of them i don't know sometimes i felt you say an old man in a young man's body it did feel like his balls hadn't dropped. Remember that? He was like, when you've quite finished lecturing me, like his voice is somewhere out there. Oh, here we go. Look, the Doctor and Vaughn on the run with the, cere yeah. it called the Cerebratron mentor machine. Cere yes, the that is right. Thank you. Oh, you know, I'll pay attention. <laughs> We've also seen this far too many times. Here we go. Now, you know, between, because we've seen the photographs in the fabulous, you know, Peter Haining books, between um, scenes, they were stopping down Guinness in the factory. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same stairwork case, isn't it, as in um, Spearhead yeah. as well, right? Such a wonderful industrial setting. <laughs> Do you know what I really love about Trowan? And we talked about this earlier a little bit. Is I feel like like when Hartnell was um, like investigating, like or on the run or whatever, there was a confidence to him. You know, like you always felt like he was examining wherever he was. With Pertwee, there's just no hint at all that he's nervous. He just walked around with his head high, like a tall light bulb that glittered. As Tom Baker, said. and with Tom Baker, yes, he, yes. Basically, he would he would just basically saunter in. You know, like you know the student like no. oh yeah i mean with trout okay with that no no i don't mind that but with Troughton, he was like this he was always like terrified like he's like scampering about the place <laughs> like you know hiding in the shadows things like that i really like that about Troughton, that he, he wasn't afraid to be nervous you know yeah if i'm being an utter utter nerd i would say that it's the doctor maturing and you know over the hundreds of years between his second and third persona then you know that's where that confidence comes from but it's also really just to do with the fact that we're talking about two very different actors and egos and you know Troughton is a small man and he's, he's um, bringing that to the role um, you know of course he's not going to be able to uh, to face down Cybermen uh, so he's, he's a little bit terrified and here he's scampering away down the ladder with Vaughan um, whereas right, you know Pert would be Stephen you can always be a complete nerd with me <laughs> yeah. I, I can't imagine but, you know, the difference like one in a minute where it's like oh, 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 oh as I was explaining I can't imagine Pertwee doing that you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that physical comedy as well that he does where it's sort of the, the, the mid-air leap uh, to try and evade the explosions I mean, uh, I mean that, I'd say that's iconic as well that's it, it's just like yeah. leaping in the air <laughs> yeah and even it's the Charlie Chaplin-esque quality of it the funniest thing and i can't imagine perfectly doing this either is when isabel comes and i would take the picture and, in, and he's like mm, yeah, you know get my best <laughs> <laughs> so good oh but here we are right in the midst of the action you know we've got actual squaddies um actual army squaddies in we've got um the unit actors as well the way that camfield shoots the cybermen 
um, means that it just does feel like there's an army rather than just, you know, four of them that are just being, you know, coming in and out of shot all the time. Mm. And the Brigadier barking orders. Oh, it's just, yeah. Yes, yeah, I, mean, I, really I, I think this is, this is quite satisfying as uh, action at mm. the end of this story. I know, yeah. I know, like, you know, nowadays, we're like the, in that trailer, we've got uh, shots of an entire Sontaran army and the Crimean soldiers coming at each other, you know, like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they weren't going to do that back then, were they? <laughs> no, no, they weren't. And this is the other thing that Classic Who has to do is to bring the scale down. So we had Cybermen all the way through, you know, London sewers and emerging uh, across all of its landscape. We can only infer that this is happening all over the planet. Yeah. But the key battle yeah. happens in a brewery, <laughs> which, you know, you know what, like, uh, it's, it's just the only way that they could have done it. I prefer physical effects to CGI 10 times yep. out of 10, yeah? Sure. So I yep. would rather see, in a small location, lots of explosions and people flying about the place and things like that, than two CGI armies going at each other, like some video game. Mm. Yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah, there he is. And do you see in the distance there, um, Packer's slumped over the rail. Uh, Kevin Stoney's slumped over the rail after he's been shot by one of the sidemen. That's the end of Vaughn. We kind of feel sorry for him in the end, don't we? I... They ruined my dream. I still remember that fact that <laughs> we had me and him before he turned me into a sideman. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Look. <laughs> this would be me if I was a doctor. Yeah, get, get my right light. Okay. <laughs> yes, this is my best side. Yeah. But like we said, have we even noticed that Jamie wasn't in this episode? Not at all. No, no, no. no. There's too much going on, uh, and there's too many characters that we enjoy watching that we don't really miss because, again, it's an ensemble cast. This is very strange. We've had the climax. And yeah. then we get this five-minute sequence now where they all just hang around to see if the world's going to get nuked. So, I mean, how do you do this, though? In, in, in New Who, you probably would have the Doctor, you know, doing something with a sonic screwdriver and exploding them all in space or, you know, something tricky like that. Um, and you'd have, you know, great CGI explosion of all these cyber fleets in the middle of space. Okay, great. Is that any more satisfying than sitting around for 10 minutes and waiting for Zoe's calculations to work. I don't know. What I would have done um, is I maybe it was just had, I would have had that action set piece, yeah. And then now I would have the sequence where she's doing the things and they blow up the spaceships and that's the end of the story. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. But you would still have you would still be coming down off that. Um you you know you've had that great exciting but that should be the climax. That should be the point after which there isn't, um, you know, any need for um, for, for fur further resolution. It should it should be, uh, you know, the solution should have been bound up with, uh, you know, defeat of the Simon at the brewery, essentially. Yeah, actually, yeah, that would have, you know, like in the Pertwee era, mm. there'd be an explosion somewhere, some warehouse would blow up or something. But um, yeah, well, it, it would have shoot out, out on, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like the shootout on uh, Reginald Stiles' lawn in Day of the Daleks. Okay. That's that's the climax. The, and that's how it results. The power complex going up in Kalors of Axos, you know, yep. warehouse that blows up in Mind of Evil. It's, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. The action is the climax. Whereas just to hang around, it just feels really weird. And that's like, look at them. They're all just staring at a screen and we're staring at a screen, watching them stare at a screen. And it's is like, this what? leaning into like the, the fear of nuclear attack? Like, I don't know. Is, is oh, this yeah, like yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair comment. God, look at John. Just sort of He's so young, doesn't he? Yeah. Have you ever met John Levine, Stephen? Uh, no, I've not. Well, do yourself a favour. Don't. <laughs> God, that's so mean. No. But say, even with using the same footage of the, uh, the rockets here, so you're absolutely right. If they were to use this, they shouldn't have preempted it earlier in, in part um, uh, seven. Yeah. Although, you know, it's worth remembering that, you know, they would have been a week apart. People's memories are pretty short. You know, like they probably wouldn't have seen, <laughs> seen, watching it one episode after another, which is absolutely not how this was supposed to be watched. Yeah. Um, did you see that Cyberman that clearly didn't have an actor in it going off the side of the building and bounce? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like um, Tobin on, and yeah, the, the cyber controller that he... Irritatingly, is. the only physical effect that really doesn't pay off in this. <laughs> yeah. And they save it right for the end. You know? mm. But they've got to a point... What are you going to do? You gonna, they, gonna... They, wouldn't, they wouldn't not include it. They spent money on it, so they wouldn't not include it, you know? Yeah, but I mean, what's the alternative? You dress up Michael Kilgariff in his silver suit and throw him off the side of a building. I don't think that's going to work either somehow. For your art, you have to do these things sometimes. They <laughs> should have got stuntman who fell off the roof in Inferno and got you know all the packaging in the boxes and had that, you know, dressed him up as a side. I mean, even that sounded like, like guerrilla filming back then. Some of the stunts that they did... Like taking their lives in their hands. Action by having. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you just know, don't you, um, that that would not be allowed these days. That cyber ship design, by the way, isn't it? I, I think we see that again, don't we, in something like A Good Man Goes to War, where you've got that circular design um, as well. I like that. Well, I don't like the scene, though, with him as the centurion going, oh, where is my wife? Like some weird Marvel action hero. Very strange. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. It's, you know what? That episode is a bit of a mess. Uh, there are some a bit of a mess? Nice. Yeah, well, I'm being kind. Um, but if you, took, if you took that whole thing about Colonel Runaway and wrote a story around that, wrote a script around that, I think you would have one of the the great punch the air moments of, of Doctor Who. Um, but it's, it's a bit of a mess. Too right much now, happening. And plus the baby turns into baby sick and I just don't like it. That's, yeah, that's really bad. That's really bad. Hey, here comes my jolly soldier. No, oh, dolly soldier. <laughs> See, now the mu this kind of like music we were talking about earlier, this quirky music, it suits Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is a comedy scene. <laughs> yeah, it is a comedy scene. They're off on a jaunt to the country. Oh, I love this. I love the 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 bit where you cut to Jamie and Zoe looking a bit awkward when he goes in the invisible TARDIS. Yeah. And they almost do like this how Barbera look to the camera of like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like Yeah, yeah. 
But this is so atypical of, of a Troughton ending. We never see them sort of uh, be, uh, you know, waved off by, um, you know, some of the guest cast mm. after being thanked and, you know, great job on defeating the alien menace this week, Doctor. Usually he's just sort of slinking away as, as the chaos unfolds around him in the aftermath. But here we get a nice Why little... Is invisible? Isn't it related to the whole land of fiction thing or the circuits? I don't know. It's cute. It, yeah, exactly. It's cute and it's nice. And here they are looking at Look at their faces. Look. Oh, right. This is awkward. How are we going to explain this? Mm. Oh, Isabel, go with them. No, 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 no. 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 Isabel is... Sorry, Isabel is so London 1968-69, she can't possibly function anywhere else. It's like you know, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, you know, the robot of death um, companion. You can't, you can't take him out of that context. It's, it's just perfect as, as he is. I would agree with that, you, but then I would say Polly is exactly the same. Well, this is another conversation, I think, altogether. Polly and Ben represent the 60s when they start to swing, and I think that's a wonderful pairing to have on the TARDIS in 1966. So I, I disagree with that. We, we can't have swingers in the TARDIS. Good grief. That's an <laughs> show. Um, okay, right. On the back of that uh, epic commentary that we've just done there, I need yeah. you now to identify mm -hmm. three things to recommend. That's hard. There's eight episodes. Three things to recommend about the invasion. Off you go. Okay, I think the first... Yeah, I think, I think the first thing is the way in which you get those wonderful character moments and particularly the way that they're paired up, whether it's, as I say, the Doctor and the Brigadier, the Doctor and Vaughan, the Doctor and Jamie, Zoe and Isabel. Like, there's so many wonderful combinations of, of, of the, the guest characters and the, the regular characters that just makes it work. And the chemistry is wonderful, the casting is brilliant, and that all sort of adds to it. That'd be the first thing. The second thing is we get our first proper unit story. Uh, and the introduction of Brigadier here, uh, Colonel, Lef uh, not Colonel, but Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart, uh, and you know John Levine as, as Sergeant Benton, who will become uh, you know a great uh, staple of the the unit family as well. So there's a, a nice first there. And the third thing, well, I just I think that there's something that Doctor Who gains by coming back to contemporary uh, or then contemporary um, Earth, and in particular London settings. Um, there's just a joy in seeing Doctor Who run around, uh, you know, 1960s London and you know, recognisable London neighbourhoods and all the rest of it that just makes it so jolly and fun. And I think Russell was right when he said, you know, we don't really care about the planet Zog, but we do care about planet Earth and its people. And, you know, here it is um, doing it in 1968 with, with Pat Troughton. I think it's wonderful. You know what, I knew, I just knew you weren't going to choose three obvious things. But now I'm going to hit you with three incredibly obvious things. Um, okay, okay, let's hear it. Is the direction of Douglas Hanfield, which is... Oh, completely. Peerless, practically peerless throughout. Um, two, yeah, I would say, I music by Don Harper, which is... Mm, good call. Certainly unique, because he never did it again, but it has a unique um, tone to it, the music. And really yeah. into that sort of spy fi 
atmosphere you were talking about in the first episodes yes and thirdly is just a single line really but i've used it so many times in my life it has to be my third recommendation and that is oh you you man because i've used that quite a lot in my life (laughs) thank you to the invasion for that (laughs) 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 before we out um I'm going to proposition you on during an episode to come back and to do a commentary on an episode from series two of the new series. Cause I think you've got a lot to say, but I want you to put a pin in. Now the only ones that have gone a school reunion, go mm-hmm. to my place and the last two uh, army of ghosts. Okay. Doomsday. So choose now live. Oh, um, can I do a two-parter? Oh my God, are you going to choose? Oh no, I don't know which one you're going to choose. Go on. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, let's do The Impossible Planet, The Satan Pit, please. Oh, it's so good. It's so <laughs> it good. So good. Okay, so, so then we will, we will not say goodbye. We'll say next time. And next time, that is what we'll, we'll crack. It's a deal.